So we've been going through the book of John, looking at the seven major miracles uh, that John describes, uh, and we're continuing through that. Uh, this passage picks up right where we left off uh, last week. Uh, and so we talked about feeding the 5,000 last week. This week we are going through the, the miracle where Jesus is walking on water. And so would you open up with me in your Bibles to John chapter 6, uh, and we're going to read verses 15 through 21. It says, Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Now when the evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was very sorry, and it was already dark, and Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. I thank you for um, this wonderful church, Lord, and I, I just pray that as we continue through your word this morning, that you would just keep our hearts and our minds open to what you have to teach us, and allow us to see the lessons that are here in your word, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. So... If you've studied the Gospels very much at all, um, and you've compared, if, if you've ever compared this with the other two Gospels that account for uh, this story, you know that this isn't the whole picture here. Uh, John's account is actually the shortest account of this, uh, of Jesus walking on water. And so the best way to understand what is happening here is to compare all three accounts of this side by side. Uh, and so Luke does not account for this. Uh, it's only in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and John. So, uh, so we will con what we're going to do this morning is we're going to actually look at them side by side. And so go ahead and keep your Bibles bookmarked for John chapter 6. Um, and also, uh, if you would, go to uh, John chapter 6, Mark chapter 6, and then uh, Matthew chapter 14. And so those are the three uh, chapters that we will be looking at this morning. So the first thing to notice here, the first thing to notice in this passage is that Jesus left his disciples. Jesus left his disciples. He told them to go over to the other side uh, without him, and he went up into the mountain to be alone, basically. And so Jesus leaves his disciples kind of without their leader here, uh, seemingly. And so... Let's go ahead and read just verse 15 and 17 again in John chapter 6. I want, want us to see the, that what is happening. It says, Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Remember, that was the reason why he went up to the mountain. was uh, He went to be alone to go and pray, and he was trying to get away from the mob, basically, that wanted to make him king. So then it says, Now when the evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was already dark, and Jesus had not come to them. 
And so if we just look at John, it sounds like Jesus goes up in the mountain to be alone and the disciples just leave Jesus behind. Uh, but that's not really what happened if we read in Mark. Mark gives more detail on this. It says uh, in Mark chapter 6, uh, verses 45 through 47, it says, Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, uh, while he sent the multitude away. And when he sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now when the evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Uh, and then Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 and 23 say pretty much the same thing as Mark. And so, but Mark gives us this more detail here uh, that the disciples didn't just leave Jesus behind. Jesus made them go without him. Um, this is something that we should realize sometimes that uh, even sometimes we can't see Jesus working, right? Jesus went off to go pray and he went to go send the multitudes away and he sent his disciples uh, without him to go to the other side. And so sometimes we don't see Jesus working. Sometimes Jesus is off doing something else out of our uh, attention span. We have a commandment to go, and sometimes we don't always get to see what's going on, you know, on the other side of things. We just have to do what Jesus told us to do, right? And so that's kind of the situation that is happening here. Remember, Jesus' disciples are his church there. And so he sends his church basically to go, uh, very much echoing the Great Commission, but he does not actually go with them. And we're going to read more about what Jesus is doing uh, in, in just a moment. But we can feel alone sometimes. We can feel like Jesus is not working even when he is. Sometimes we feel like we are in this world and we are, we are the ones working uh, to try to do things. And uh, that's, that's a hard place to be in to where we don't necessarily see all the results of what we're doing, right? So moving on in this passage, we'll see that Jesus' disciples are struggling on their own. They are struggling on their own. Why? Well, if we read further, we find that the wind was contrary to them. And so Jesus gives them this order to go over to the other side, but everything is against them when they are doing this. Uh, we read in John chapter 6, verses 17 and 18, it says, uh, They got into the boat and went over the sea toward Capernaum, and it was already dark, and Jesus had not come to them. Uh, you, you'll notice there that that was one of the things that the focus is on, is that Jesus hadn't yet come to them. And so they're, they're very much, uh, it shows Jesus' absence there. Now, then it says, the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. And so that sea arising, that's talking about wind and waves, and it's dangerous. It's scary. Matthew chapter 14, verse 24 gives us more detail on this. It says, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by waves, for the wind was contrary. So that wind being contrary, that's literally, uh, contrary is against them. It's literally opposite to them. And so they are struggling against basically what is going 
opposite to them. So it's like, have you ever tried to paddle a boat upstream? That's, that's basically what's happening here, is they are fighting this, and it is just everything is against them. And, G, and, from what, and they are noticing Jesus' absence there. But just because they feel like Jesus is absent doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't see what's going on, and it doesn't really mean that he is absent. He can be there in an instant. So Jesus sees them struggling. We see this in Mark chapter 6, verse 48, and we're just going to read the first part of that verse. It says, Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. And so Jesus is still on the shore, and he sees his disciples, remember, about three or four miles away, right? He sees them struggling against the wind and the sea. So Jesus knows what's going on. And so whenever we are struggling as a church, right, in our community, and we may feel like Jesus is absent, but Jesus sees what's going on. He knows what's going on, and he can be there in an instant. And sometimes we have to realize, sometimes we face trials as a church as well, not just trials in our own personal lives. Remember, Jesus commanded them to go and do this. And so Jesus knows what he's doing. In the next part of this, we see that Jesus really shows up for them. He shows up in a powerful way. I mean, obviously, he comes walking on the sea to them. Now, it's interesting how quickly Jesus gets to them. But... Let's read in Mark chapter 6, verse 48, and we'll see here that Jesus came to them, but he would have passed them by. He would have passed them by. In Mark chapter 6, verse 48, it says, Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea, and would have passed them by. Now, it's interesting, in the book of Mark, Mark always depicts Jesus as a busy person. It says, immediately Jesus went here, and immediately Jesus did this. And here, it shows basically, Jesus would have walked right on by them had they not noticed. What does that say to us? Sometimes we can be so focused on our problems, we need to be aware when Jesus is coming to help us. We need to be looking for Jesus, right? Because sometimes we have opportunities that we can pounce on and we can see Jesus coming and we can take him into the boat, right? Or he's just going to walk on by. There are opportunities that Christ provides for us to in our community, right? That sometimes those opportunities can just pass on by. Those are opportunities to go and be with Christ and be part of something amazing that Christ is doing. But if we don't see it, if we're so focused on our own problems, it's just going to pass on by. Now, when the disciples do notice Jesus there, they were afraid. It's pretty amazing. You know, they're, they're in this storm. That their ship is being tossed to and fro because of the wind and the waves. And Jesus is showing up there to help them. 
and they're scared of Jesus, right? Sometimes we can be scared of the solutions to our problems. Sometimes, you know, sometimes the remedy to our situation seems a little bit scarier than the problem itself. And we have to be willing to step out on faith and follow Jesus in those situations. But in John chapter 6, verse 19, it says, So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. They were afraid. Why were they afraid of Jesus walking close to the boat? Well, again, we have to go to Mark because Mark gives a little bit more detail on this. In Mark, we see that they thought that Jesus was a ghost. They thought Jesus was going to be something that was, would have been detrimental to them. Mark chapter 6, verse 49 and verse 50, uh, just the first part of verse 50, it says, And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. So Jesus shows up in an amazing way to help them, and they were troubled by it. You see, over and over, these disciples had been shown amazing things. And yet, as we'll read here, every time they would start falling back into unbelief, no matter how many times Jesus was showing them amazing things, including, uh, obviously, Peter in this situation. Peter walks on water, and we'll get to that in a moment. But Peter walks on water, and then what? He's the one that denies Christ. Peter walked on water and then later denied Christ. So over and over again, Jesus shows them amazing things. Jesus shows up in amazing ways. And then as time goes on, they kind of forget about that and go back to their unbelief, right? How often do we do that? How often are we the ones where Jesus can show us over and over and over again how he is working in our lives and in our church? And then at the moment when we don't see him, we're going, oh, man, I don't know. I don't know about, I don't know about this. I don't know how, how I, can't, I can't see this working right now. Our faith kind of can falter sometimes. And then Jesus will show up again, and then that'll work for a while, and then we'll go back into that same place. And we just, what Jesus just wants us to do is just have faith. Even when we're struggling. Notice that when they're scared of Jesus, right? They're scared because they thought he was a ghost, right? He immediately calms their fears. Jesus calms their fears. John chapter 6 verse 20, it doesn't say much here. It says, but he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. So Jesus does calm their fears. And then Mark chapter 6, verse 50. Remember, Mark always shows Jesus as a busy person. It says, For they all saw him and, and were troubled, but immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. So when they were scared of that solution, right, Jesus showed up immediately and he showed them that it, he told them that it was him. It, it, there was no delay there. 
They were scared, and immediately Jesus said, no, I got you. I got you. It's all right. It's just me, right? Jesus does that in our lives, too. If we're willing to see that, Jesus will show us that it is him working in our lives. So before we move on in this passage, we have to talk about Peter, right? Peter walking on water. And this may sound like it's a completely separate thing from this, but we'll see how this all ties together. So Matthew is the only one that accounts for Peter uh, personally walking on water to go to Jesus, right? And so right after Jesus says, it is I, do not be afraid, what does Peter say? In Matthew 14, uh, verse 28 through 32, it says, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And so just stopping for a moment there. So they all see Jesus walking on the water. And Peter goes, if it's really you, tell me to do it. That's what Peter's saying. He's like, that's not enough. That's, that's not enough. Seeing you do it is not enough for me. Tell me to do it too, if it's really you, right? But Peter does. He, he does walk on water. It's a, continuing in verse 29. It says, so he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, remember that wind being contrary again, uh, it says he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Now, it's really easy to look bad at Peter in this situation. But show hands, who has ever walked on water even one step, right? Peter is the only person besides Jesus that has ever walked on water. Even one step, that's more than any of us. I don't know if when you were a kid, you tried to run across the pool. It doesn't work, right? You go to step into the pool, you sink immediately. Peter at least got one step. It said he started to walk towards Jesus. And so Peter did more than any of us have ever done. That's some real faith there. Remember, this is a stormy sea, right? So he gets out of that boat even when it's scary. And not even think about just us, but where were the other disciples? They didn't get out of the boat. They all saw Jesus. They all would have heard Peter saying that to Jesus. Shouldn't they have all gotten out of the boat? They didn't. Peter was the only one. So Peter, right off the bat, even though he, Jesus says he has little faith, why did he doubt? He was the one that got out of the boat. Sometimes we are called to go and get out of the boat for Jesus, right? To step out on faith. And sometimes, most of the time, we sink. Because as soon as things start going good, right, as soon as we're like Peter, we're like, hey, well, I'm walking on water, right? As soon as we get in that mindset, that's when we're going to start to sink. Because as soon as we think we're the ones doing it, 
that we're so successful, that's when we're going to start to sink. Jesus is actually teaching Peter the same lesson that he's teaching all of his disciples. That when he told them to go out on the boat, right, and go to the other side and the wind's contrary, Jesus is teaching that same lesson to Peter at a personal level here. See, he's teaching his disciples that they can really do nothing without him. Uh, they, he tells them to go out on the boat and go to the other side. The wind's contrary. They're struggling without Jesus. They can't do it without him. And then, so Peter, on a personal level, he, Jesus said, tells him to come to him, and he gets out of the boat to walk on water, and he starts to sink. And Jesus is showing Peter that he personally cannot go through his trials without Jesus holding his hand. Because remember, Jesus immediately stretches forth his hand and picks Peter up. And then they get back into the boat together, right? So however far Peter got, they got back into the boat together. And so Jesus is showing Peter on a personal level that he needs him. We need to rely on Jesus. We can't do anything on our own strength. So moving on with this passage, past Peter. When Jesus got into the boat, everything was better. When Jesus got into the boat, everything was better. First notice that immediately they got to where they were going. They got to the other side, right? Now, remember, they were in the middle of the sea when Jesus came to them. But as soon as Jesus got into the boat, they were immediately at the other side. That's often an overlooked thing in this passage. You know, we, we tend to focus on, you know, the walking on water and Peter walking on water and the wind ceasing and everything. But also John notes that immediately they got to the other side. It says this in verse 21 of John chapter 6. It says, Then they willingly received him into the boat, and, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. So they went from being in the middle, and all of a sudden Jesus basically teleports them to the other side. I don't know how else to explain it. They were in the middle of the sea. Jesus gets in the boat, and immediately they're at the other side. And so when we realize what Jesus is trying to teach us, that's when our trials stop. That's when the hardship stops. Because we go through trials in life for Jesus to teach us things. And that trial will continue until we get the point. Notice, immediately as Jesus got into the boat, they went to the other side. They were no longer in the sea where the wind was contrary and there were storms. They were immediately at the shore. You know, this reminds me of a Bible verse. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure it's in Revelation. And we hear this on the radio and stuff and uh, everybody wants to talk about it as a verse about salvation and it's really not about that uh, it's when we talk about Jesus standing at the door and knocking right that's not talking about the door of your heart as people like to say that's talking about the church that's talking about Jesus when he comes back he's standing at the door knocking it will anybody recognize him are we going to think he's a ghost? 
Are we going to let him into the boat, right? Are we going to let him in? Are we going to rely on him? Notice, moving on, that they all marveled. They all marveled at Jesus. In Mark chapter 6, verses 51 and 52, we can notice in this verse that they were amazed at what just happened, but their heart had been hardened towards the last miracle that he did. Remember what I said. Jesus does things over and over and over again, and yet they still couldn't come to that full-on belief. They still fell into unbelief. And so it says, in starting verse 51 of Mark chapter 6, it says, Then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. Then in the next verse it says, For they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. And so these disciples, you know, they're, they're seeing Jesus do all kinds of stuff. I mean, up until this point, he had turned water to wine. He had done various healings. He, uh, he had fed the 5,000, right? And it says that they didn't understand the loaves because their heart was hardened. They weren't, they, basically they didn't understand because they weren't willing to understand. That's what it's talking about them and about them not understanding because their heart was hardened. They didn't want to know. And so at this, they marvel. Then in Matthew chapter 14, verse 33, it says, Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Truly, you are the Son of God. And so Jesus is doing this to show not the whole world that he is the Son of God, but he, this specific miracle he did to show his disciples that truly he was the Son of God because they were the only ones present. It's amazing that Jesus had to show them over and over and over again how amazing he is. And it's only now that they are going, truly you are the Son of God. See, when Jesus shows up in our lives again, it makes us marvel are we are we going to get to a place where we are of spiritual maturity where we can have faith in jesus even when things are going bad even when things are going bad even when even when we can't necessarily see him working maybe he's doing something off on the shore while we're out in the middle of the sea right we're in the middle of hardship and jesus is somewhere out of our sight working and then he's right there to get us when we need it. So what's the point of all of this? Kind of already said it. I got a little ahead of myself, but on a group level, on a church level, we can do nothing without Christ. We can't make it across the sea without him. The wind's contrary, right? In this world, the job that we are tasked with is the Great Commission. We are supposed to go and spread the gospel. We cannot do that job if Jesus isn't holding our hand. If we don't rely on him. If we try to do it on our own strength, 
If we think that we can just muscle through it, remember, they were straining while they were rowing against the sea. They could not do it. We cannot reach a lost and dying world if we don't rely on Christ doing it. Then Jesus teaches this same lesson to Peter on a personal level. Peter could not walk on water on his own. He's, he notices that the wind is boisterous. He gets scared. His faith falters. He can't do it on his own. So Jesus teaches that to Peter on a personal level. We cannot go through life without Jesus holding our hand. We can't do it. We can't make it. We have to put our trust solely in him and not on our own strength. We can't walk on water. Jesus can. So you just hold on to Jesus, right? When life is hard, rely on him. And I guarantee you, if you're going through trials, you will continue to go through trials until you realize that you need to lean on him. We go through trials as long as we need to for us to learn what Jesus is trying to teach us. Peter learned there that all he needed to do was cry out and say, Lord, save me. He didn't demand it from Jesus. He was scared. Sometimes I think about this and, you know, Peter, I don't know how long it took him to sink. I, I, I know for sure that if I started sinking, I wouldn't have time to say, Lord, save me. Uh, that would be real quick. But if you think about this, sometimes Jesus wants us in that state where we are just neck deep, where we are about to drown. Why? Because that makes us cry out to him saying, Lord, save me. It makes us realize that we need him. You know, I, I remember an, an analogy from a while ago about, you know, a father, you, kids used to do this. Uh, people don't really do this anymore, but um, a father would sit his kid on his lap and let his kid, you know, hold the steering wheel and drive the car, right? Is it because that father can't do it? Of course not. He wants the kid to be a part of it, right? And so Jesus wants us to be a part of things with him. No, we can't drive the car on our own. Jesus has to be right there holding the wheel and pumping the pedals, right? But Jesus wants us to be a part of that. He wants us to cling to him. There is nothing more beautiful than when I you know, come home and I see my daughter, right? And she runs to the door and goes, Daddy! When she's scared, she goes, Daddy! Every little thing, she wants Daddy. Or Mama sometimes, but I, sorry, I love you. She loves Daddy. But when we are going through life, the first thing out of our mouths, whenever, when everything's great, should be Daddy. When we are scared, almost to the point of being out of our minds scared, the first thing that out of our mouths should be, Daddy, help me. Trust in Jesus to help you. 
That's what we need to do. So as the pianist and song leader come, there is a very scary thing, much more scary than those stormy seas. There is a very scary thing awaiting those who don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and that's hell. All you have to do to not be in that place is cry out and say, Lord, save me. It's a very easy thing. Acknowledge Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Acknowledge that you have really put yourself in that place. And cry out for him to save you, because he will. That's why Jesus came and died on the cross for all of our sins. If you're watching this morning, do that at home. Pray to God and say, Lord, save me. Lord, I trust you. Save me. Do that, and you won't have to go to that place. Do that, and you'll spend eternity in heaven with your Savior, with your Father. Right? It's a beautiful thing. You see, people sometimes look at God negative. How could God send anyone to hell? No. We send ourselves to hell. God provided a remedy for that. God provided his son. That's a beautiful thing. God loved us so much that he doesn't want us to go there, even though we deserve it. He sent his son to die in our place, and so that we could call upon him and be saved. Do that this morning as we all stand.